Welcome, welcome, welcome to Almost Midnight, a horror anthology podcast. My name, as usual, as always, Mr. Cleaver, and I am privileged to be sitting here with Nick of the Living Dead. Is that your, is that your Christian name? <laughs> um, pretty close, pretty close, honestly. Um, the Living Dead part came after my rebirth into Christianity, for sure. I was born again. Oh, that's when you got adopted by the other uh, living dead family? Yes, yes, yeah. Fair enough. That's a good family. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't complain, I can't complain. Your dad, Return of the Living Dead, and your your mom, Return of the Living Dead Part 2? Yeah. I mean, I like those movies a lot. I thought they're great. And your little brother, Children of the Living Dead, which we don't talk about? <laughs> I've never even... Yeah, we don't talk about him. <laughs> That's an awful movie. Awesome. I was probably why I've never heard of it then. If you ever get a chance, watch it. Because it's that, that kind of bad where it's like, I can't stop watching this. A train wreck. Perfect. I love those. Absolutely. What have you uh, What have you been keeping yourself busy with lately? Um, Christmas stuff, mostly. I know that's probably disappointing to hear, but um, it is December. So I'm the type of person that I like to be done everything by the end of November. <laughs> well, I've been busy doing that stuff. What about you? Oh, man, I'm usually the same. I got early riser syndrome. I can't stand to be late, but this year it's just the money's so tight. It's going to take a lot of acrobatics to pull this shit off. That's uh, unfortunate to hear. But, yeah, I think a lot of people are in the same boat for sure. Yeah, fucking inflation. Mm-hmm. What you been watching? Let's see, I watched Deadly Night, Silent Night Part 4. That was weird. That was a weird movie. Do we, can we flip those around? Was it? I thought it was a new movie called Deadly Night, Silent Night, and I'm like, <laughs> Yes. Did the asylum get to it? <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part Four. I secretly uh, love that one. What'd you think of it? Uh, I didn't love it for sure, but it's different. It's definitely one of those instances of like Halloween Three, where they just kind of put the name on it for people to get in, but it has absolutely nothing to do with any of the originals, anyway. But I mean, how do you continue just doing Killer Santa Claus over and over? It gets redundant. So I liked. I mean, it's not that I didn't like the story. Um, I didn't like love the characters and there's parts I just felt like, I don't know, kind of underwhelming in some senses, maybe. I don't know. You know what it felt like for me as society light? Yeah, it also was really reminiscent of like Rosemary's Baby a bit for me. Definitely, I could see that. It's like wow. D- David Cronenberg or Brian Usna directed Rosemary's yeah. Baby. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, not bad. I mean... I love Clint Howard in anything, for sure, his appearance. Um, but yeah, just a, a very different movie. It is so bug nuts, isn't it? <laughs> what about you? What have you been watching? CSI. I don't know why I got into this procedural jig, but I'm just big on CSI these days. I have no idea, because I used to give that show a lot of shit back in the day. Back when it was actually like at the top of its game? Which one are you watching? All three. Oh, okay. Well then, very good. Which one's your favorite? Actually, I haven't started New York yet, but um, I'm waiting for the Miami crossover. Mm. 
I don't know. I kind of like them both the same for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I liked the original the best, but I watched Miami from time to time. I don't think I ever really watched New York. Fun fact, I lived in Australia briefly back in the day, and um, I went there to try and become a marine biologist. And it is very expensive to go to school there if you are not a citizen. But um, the top two, because this is back when CSI was like really, really big. So the top two things people were applying for to go into university at the time were marine biology, of course, because you're in Australia and Great Barrier Reef and everything else amazing around you. And number two, crimes and investigation because of that fucking show. <laughs> I know they make it look so cool. They do. Yeah. When you get instant results, like in 24 hours, which is just, I mean, if you, I love true crime. I love watching true crime stuff on Netflix. And like, that is just not the case. We've obviously made great advancements since like the 80s and 70s but it's still not there yeah you just gotta take it with a grain of salt <laughs> yeah i mean for entertainment purposes right they can't like actually show you the whole process then people it would be very boring i mean lab stuff can be very tedious and redundant they do cover a lot of uh true events i've noticed like i've been watching them like oh this is just like this oh really name one yeah basically they did one the other night on miami where they had a nightclub fire Okay. And uh, although this one was intentional, it did remind me a lot of the Station Nightclub Fire. Don't think I'm familiar with that one. Oh, it's it's terrible. Great White performed at this nightclub called Station. And um, Pyrotechnics lit the uh, cheap acoustics on fire and the whole place went up. They didn't yeah. have a good escape plan, obviously. So I think 100 people died. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is terrible. That actually just reminded me of VHS 99 or the newest one that just came out. I watched recently as well. Did you watch that one yet? Totally. What'd you think of it? It was good. I mean, I liked some of the other VHS ones a bit better, but it was still pretty good. But it reminded me of the first, um, I believe it was the first segment with the band that got trampled to death. Oh yeah. That might, that might be my favorite. I kind of like that one. <laughs> it was, it's funny too. Cause I actually really liked their music as corny as it is or whatever, but I was like, man, I would, these were a real band. I'd probably listen to them. <laughs> you would listen to Bitch Kitten? I totally would. Totally would. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they they do a lot of them. Like I can't. Like I said, once I'm on the spot, I don't know. But I'll I'll I read so much. Not read because my eyes suck. But I I know a lot of true crime so much that I'll be watching this case and I'll be like, oh, I see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Podcast recommendation for anyone else who's listening is. Uh... Murder with my husband is a. I don't listen to it super often, but um, they cover a lot of really interesting cases. And same thing, stuff has come up in other documentaries and things that I've watched where I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I know this story. But uh, it, I just like true crime. It's funny. I can watch horror movies every day, probably for the rest of my life, but true crime, I you don't have that disassociation, obviously, of it just being a story. So I'll listen to a couple episodes of that podcast or I'll watch a documentary and just one of them will just really get to me. And I just like need to watch cartoons for several weeks straight. <laughs> really? What, what case has gotten to you the most? Um, hmm. Can I, you want me to tell you mine so that you get a little bit of time to think about it? Sure. Have you, you've heard about the murder of Jamie Bulger? Ah, oh, it sounds so familiar, but you'd, pro you'd probably have to get started to get me going on it again. Yeah, it's, it was, I believe it was in, oh my lord, was it in England? Somewhere. Um, These two kids, and by kids I mean young kids, like 10, 11, mm -hmm. 9, somewhere in there. They're, they're very young. They abduct this toddler named Jamie Bulger, 
and they they take them to train tracks and they torture them and kill them. Yeah, this does sound familiar. Yeah, that's the only that's the that's the one that I'm just I don't know I don't know why. That sparks me again for another book called In the Name of the Children that I read, and it's about any case that involves like obviously younger because they have like a special division and stuff um, to deal with child abuse cases and things like that in the FBI or whatever. But yeah, that's a fucked up book for sure. It'll uh, I don't know, just some of the stuff that sticks out to me. It's not even true crime, I guess. But um, did you watch that documentary, The Case of Gabriel Fernandez? And it came out right around the same time. It was that like football player that murdered his wife. So everyone was like mixing it up with that when I would talk about it. Oh yeah, that's. I think that's why I haven't seen that is because I it's a di- completely different one. And I keep thinking I watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Yes, it came out like the exact same time. I watched both, and uh, obviously the football one's pretty crazy too. But the other one is about it. Essentially focuses on one family. This little boy gets murdered, but it kind of centers like it go zooms out at the end and kind of gives you this idea about like just how messed up um child protection services is in the states because it's privatized and they have entirely too many cases for caseworkers and they often get neglected so there's this the story of this young boy who's just constantly being beaten by his stepfather which they kind of say can sometimes be common in um like for the when a step parent comes in they can sometimes just center on a child and just like bully the shit out of them for, I don't know, for whatever reason, obviously he's mentally ill, but anyways, it gets so bad that obviously he does end up eventually killing the kid, but like a week before it happens, it was like Mother's Day and they have a project at school where, you know, you're going to make your mom your card and whatever else. And he basically just pours his heart out. This kid's like six, you know what I mean? Like, I just want my mom to love me as much as I love her. And like, anyways, they took the card in for marking and it was sitting on his desk the day that like the teacher got the phone call that he died from being beaten to death and the, the caseworkers have been at their house like three or four times but never really fully investigated because they just like supposedly didn't have the time and whatever else but like man i bawled i bawled myself out and that one just kind of like sticks with you for a while for sure well since we've successfully brought the tone down yeah. <laughs> yeah i think it's time we talk about and then we can and then we can go into the feature but have you heard of dear zachary oh uh, yeah what's it does once again sounds very familiar oh don't watch it it'll ruin your day okay <laughs> it, it clings to you it's ugh, it's a rough story to tell you too much would be spoilerish okay but if you ever get a chance and you i don't know if you got good good energy to burn off watch it or you just feel like crying and losing faith in humanity oh all of humanity yeah and not to not to point the finger up north too much but canada really fucks up in that one fair enough i mean or, we're we're not perfect. <laughs> we're, not, we're not perfect either. Not to always finger at the states because obviously you guys get the brunt of it. But you know, Canada fucks up too. Oh no, no. We, you know, why we get the brunt? Because we fucking deserve it. There's a lot of idiotic behavior going on up top. Fair enough. Well, you guys are also just always the center of attention. You know, you're just really needy that way. <laughs> <sighs> exactly. Well, when half of your country thinks it'd be a good idea to elect a certain person president, you kind of lose your faith. Yeah. I mean, some people would say the same about Canada, but it really just depends. I mean, politics is not trying to condone anything, but, you know, politics is politics. There you go. But yeah, I'm bummed out. Now, I think I'm going to watch that. But <laughs> Which one? The Gabriel one? Yeah, that sounds heartbreaking. I don't know if I can do that again. It is. It is very heartbreaking. I mean, it's a great 
it's eye-opening so I obviously didn't realize all of that stuff especially from not living in your country and thankfully never having to deal with or knowing anybody to deal with child protection services but it's uh yeah I mean the system can fail anybody at any time and it's uh it's sad to see especially in extreme cases like that right so and it happens a lot more than we think apparently which is also horribly horribly depressing it's almost kind of morbidly hilarious to watch adults kill each other because it's like life insurance policy an affair next thing you know and you can almost laugh at those idiots like (laughs) exactly yeah totally and the how they think that they're not going to get caught and whatever else but yeah when it's someone and that's why i hate animal abuse and stuff too but people who and like little kids just they don't deserve it um all they want is to be loved and they're usually very defenseless so yeah it's uh those people deserve to go to i don't believe in hell but if there's one then they're definitely at the very bottom pits of it i don't know if i believe in hell but i believe in cosmic equilibrium i think that whatever you put out eventually comes back I hope so, because I have not seen that in some cases so far. But I mean, I hopefully still have many years left to live. (laughs) Okay, now that everybody's in the holiday spirit with all the kid killing and the the morbid talk, we are here to discuss a Christmas horror story from 2015. Woo! Courtesy of RJE Films on DVD and Blu-ray, and now streaming on Shooter. Yes. I'm so glad it was it's streaming on Shutter. They must have just dropped it because I checked it about a month or two ago because I wanted to cover it. And I was like, is this thing really not streaming anywhere? It used to be on Amazon for the longest time, at least in Canada. But yeah, I checked there first and then I saw it was on Shutter. But Shutter's really been up in their game. Like I remember subscribing for Shutter like back when it was, you know, very first starting and I could barely even get um, movies to load. <laughs> like, they must have just had like a really bad server or whatever but uh i still kept paying for it because i was like i want them to grow <laughs> and now oh, they're, it's... <laughs> they're a juggernaut aren't they oh totally i mean yeah just every horror movie fan's best dream come true and once again they are not paying us that is correct they should be though yeah they you know they just dropped and i feel and i'll feel bad if they didn't drop it for canada but all of the nightmare and elm street films they didn't Ugh. but i mean i do own them all but it's just great for anybody who's not a media collector. Oh, yeah. I mean, any horror fan worth the salt has already owned it a couple times. I've owned it on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. So. Yeah, I didn't collect movies back in the VHS days, but uh, it was one of the first box sets that I, I bought when I first started collecting DVDs. Hell, yeah. Mm-hmm. I regret giving that box set away when I got the, the Blu-rays. I haven't upgraded. Part of me is like, this is the thing, too, with <laughs> Blu-ray and dvd because it's kind of like the whole vhs argument when some people just prefer things on vhs is certain old movies like you don't almost want them to be blu-ray crisp like it's great the extra features and stuff you get but sometimes it just takes away from the graininess of it and i can see arguments both ways but part of me is just kind of like i don't know i kind of don't want to update certain movies you know oh i i completely agree with you and by the way you're fine because those dvds still look great yeah they do still look great and the blu-rays aren't don't look much better i think it was just everything else was in blu-ray and mm-hmm. it felt lonely up there so i yeah yeah fair but enough. i'm sorry we got on another tangent Um uh, christmas horror story 2015 and this was your first time watch wasn't it it was it's a movie i don't know why i kept putting off i think i kind of forgot about it a lot 
but um yeah I, I mean it got a lot of hype and then also I think I heard some bad things about it too so I had like weird expectations watching it for the first time but still overall really enjoyed it I could see I, I could see the bad press but I I've only heard good press and I've, I've been champion this movie for as long as I can remember oh really okay so you watched it when it first came out then Oats, oats. Yeah, I waited for Family Video to sell me their old copy, and then I I, I kind of consider it the Christmas version of Trick or Treat. Yeah, I can see that. But if you can keep a secret, that's gonna get me like nailed to the cross. I kind of like it a little bit more than Trick or Treat. Wow. Just because the stories, although they do kind of inter intersect a tiny bit, they do it less than Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat kind of felt like Pulp Fiction, where the stories were separate, but it kind of felt like one big story. I prefer like my own little stories. Yeah, but then that's what we're going to talk about too with this movie is I think I'd like, I mean, Pulp Fiction's an amazing movie. I'm just going to say that right now, but um, I kind of liked and I was disappointed by the fact with how these stories in A Christmas Horror Story weave together, but then didn't really coincide much in the end, whereas like Trick or Treat did pull everything together. Oh, I got you, but I, I, I'm kind of of the mind that I didn't Maybe we're separate forces in that way, where I, I kind of would prefer them to be their own self-contained little... I would like that if it was told linearly. If it was like a story and story and 100%. I mean, traditional, like many other anthology films, but 100%. But when they're all weaving together, you kind of expect them to have a pur- purpose or a connection, in my opinion. And I was like really kind of waiting for that at the end and didn't, really, didn't really come together. I can see that. I could definitely see your side of it. I, I think there's a better movie from where you're standing. But the traditional anthology format is kind of turned on its head here because it's wrap around and then instead of going segment one, two, three, four, they kind of go, here's the first 10 minutes of one, here's the first 10 minutes of two, and they kind of blend in a little bit, don't they? Yeah, and then they won't come back to one for forever. And I felt like, you know, there's a couple stories in there I think they could have, well, they were shorter because they probably just didn't have as much substance as a few of the other ones. So they kind of drop off and end sooner or like you don't see them for a while. And it was almost pacing issues in some because some were getting, you know, the action was starting and then you didn't see it again for forever because the other stories had to catch up. And it was just weird pacing issues, in my opinion. That's my only drawback in the film. I'm not trying to shit on it. I actually did quite like it. It could have used more William Shatner, but... All in all, it was still very enjoyable. William Shatner serves as our, our wraparound. He plays a DJ Dangerous Dan. Yes. Who is getting delightfully drunk. <laughs> if you had to work on Christmas, I feel like it should be allowed, you know? <laughs> it's depressing to work on Christmas. Obviously, he's doing it because he loves it and wants to bring some cheer and stuff to everybody in the city. But who's actually gathering with family and listening to the radio? I want to know. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't know. You can't convince me, though, that William Shatner was not genuinely drunk during those scenes. Um, I mean, when he's a recovering alcoholic in real life, isn't he? When did he become sober? Okay, well, then he's a better actor than I thought he was, because I'm just sitting there. It's like, that must have been a fun day's work. <laughs> just come in and be like, get progressively more drunk. Here's your lines. Yeah, I just remember that being the whole internet thing, because he went into space with Jeff Bezos, right? And then like the minute he got off um the shuttle he was like you know jeff bezos was like popping champagne bottles and stuff and you could see like visible discomfort in william shatner's face and yeah man he uh has been very open about overcoming his demons and addictions that's awesome i i appreciate that because that makes me respect his performance even more now 
but I don't know when it was. I mean, this movie was seven years ago. I mean, I hope that he's been sober for that long, but I, I don't, I didn't really look into it. So. Oh, you're right. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Hey, maybe a Christmas horror story was his rock bottom. I would hope not because I thought his role was pretty good. I thought he did a good job. Well, they shot it. They shot it in Canada. They didn't have the money to get anybody like big. I thought all the actors did good as far as acting and stuff went. None of them were bad. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe some of the teenagers. I mean, teenagers often, especially in their segment, I think can be kind of cringy. Yeah. And I would say that the CGI in some scenes was kind of lackluster, but it was still like better than most sci-fi movies I've seen. So it was tolerable for sure. I bet you money, though, that what they spent on it would surprise you, though, because it feels like a lot of ingenuity and craftsmanship went into this yeah i mean the stories were definitely original um i think anytime as well i mean you're doing big sets with christmas decorations and whatnot like christmas decorations cost money have you been to walmart or any of the other stores lately it's expensive <laughs> especially now that everything's like 25 percent more than last year yeah totally i mean even uh black friday which you guys just had we get you know small black friday deals in canada and <laughs> I just saw this great meme where it was just like, these are the sales that people were rioting for. I mean, really? 30% off is still higher than regular port price nowadays. This this one opens. Uh, the, the beginning is just a, a static black screen with a bunch of snowflakes, and it's playing kind of a haunting version of It's Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a good tone setter. Yeah, I liked it. I liked the opening for sure. It's Christmas Eve, something, something. <laughs> I don't know the words. I don't either. I don't know. Unless they're actually playing, I don't think I... I know Jingle Bells. I could probably sing you Jingle Bells. <laughs> I wonder if Jingle Bells is copyrighted, because I think that, and then they play Silent Night, the Muzak version, when Santa Claus is in the elevator. Yes, and then the song for the um, the one where they're in the school. Well, oh, that, oh, that was a... Oh, man, I think it's probably one of those, like lame like indie rock songs where they just they say santa claus in it no 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 the one so essentially one of the stories is you know they go to this old convent and now it's a school and like a bunch of murders and stuff happened and like the very opening is you know these kids and they obviously have like a youtube channel or something right so they're gonna go investigate and shoot some footage on christmas eve about where two teenagers died a year ago to the day and there's this one scene where they like the bodies come up, but the one police officer, because they're watching a video of what was police footage of the kids being found. And he's like, do you hear that song? And they're all like, what? And he starts kind of singing it. And I'm pretty sure it's away in a manger. Oh, there you go. Something like that anyways, but it's a Christmas song. And it's like, you know, about the birth of Jesus, which is kind of like alluding to what else goes on in the story later. But it is a, it is a Christmas song. It's probably covered under fair use. Um, if you sing it, it's not the original artist, and it's less than, what was it, 10, 20 seconds? You can get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he only says like two lines, but I do obviously recognize the lines and the, the tune for sure. So I don't remember like the title off the top of my head because I'm not really into religious songs, but <laughs> definitely heard it. Like, watch this. Just hold on loosely. 38 <laughs> Special can't do shit. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. I want you to want me. That song always gets stuck in my head. Oh, no. Now it's in my head. You're welcome. <laughs> so this starts just with, uh, it appears to be Santa Claus in the North Pole. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, apparently he's been through a battle. Yeah, um, I liked the concept a lot of this uh, storyline as well. Just Santa beat the shit out of elves who were like, <laughs> yes, I mean, it's kind of hilarious. This one, I would say, though, was the cheesiest out of all of them. And translation, fun. Yeah, I mean, but just some of the cues and I would say the acting in this one as well. Even though the guy who plays Santa has probably got the biggest IMDb page out of any of the other actors in the film. But voice acting, I guess. He's a big voice actor. Yeah, and he was in The Brain from 1988. Oh, yes. That's where I recognize him from. I love that movie. Um, but yeah, there was just a couple cutscenes and stuff when, like, when, when the first elf goes crazy and he dies. And all the other elves are like, but elves can't die, Santa, right? They can't die. And they just do, like, the cut in, like, zoom in on his face. And he's like, no, they can't. And then it just, like, cuts away. I don't know. I LOL'd at that point for sure. Yeah. I like it. I think it's done in uh, a bit of a winky way. I don't think it takes itself as seriously as one might think. No, it's definitely, that's what I mean. It's the cheesiest, but also, I mean, yeah, you could say it takes itself less seriously than any of the other segments or stories in the movie. Santa Claus is staring down, and apparently this is where he's about to fight the Krampus, but we're not going to show that quite yet. We get that later. Yes, yeah, they got to tease that because that's what was in all the ads and trailers and kind of drew everybody to this movie in the beginning, I would say, right? It's what they uh, amped up the most. And he does end up fighting Krampus, so there's that. He does, but it was very short. We open up to uh, Dangerous Dan. A yep. DJ. Yep. Getting in the holiday spirit. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. He's talking about the holiday food drive at the mall. That's right. <laughs> co-worker is going to go down and work at and he's asking for updates but his co-worker seems visibly hmm, what's a good word perturbed yeah he doesn't seem to like christmas at least not as much as dangerous dan that is for sure storm and storm and norman the weatherman yeah that's right he puts up a he's he's, he's talking to him in the other room and then he puts up a a sign in the glass that says fuck christmas yeah, he must have, uh, I don't know, had some bad Christmas times, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Should he... poor, yeah. poor Storm and Norman. Yeah. And I love Shatner's reaction to it. It's like, did you see that? You know who <laughs> saw that? Jesus. Yeah, that one part was great, too. <laughs> I was laughing. <laughs> His dad, too, yeah. Because he's just, uh, I love, I fucking love Shatner. He's just going off about tinsel and presents and... He's kind. Of, he's a wraparound. Yeah, but not as much as you would think. I, I guess I, I've once again when I heard that William Shatner was hosting this movie, or he was kind of like you know the segue guy. I expected something different, and not that his whole character being you know the anchor or whatever on the radio isn't great. But like I said, I just wasn't expecting the whole weaving in between so much, and then like huge gaps between Shatner because we only really see him like four times, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. He does pop in like when you think, when you forget that he's a part of the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do think it was a mistake to have the stories weave around like that. That's the only shit you're going to get me to talk on this movie. Okay, fair enough. The first story was the one that you were you were talking about earlier, where there's there these teens break into their school, which used to be a convent. And there's been well, recently there was a couple two teenagers murdered. 
and it seems to be religious in some way or sacrificial because one of the kids looks crucified. Oh yeah, ritualistic murder. Yes, yes. And in the past history of the convent, there were lots of other deaths or possibly murders because of they used to hide pregnant um, teenagers and stuff there from the public. Yeah, because apparently back in the day, there was this 15-year-old nun who claimed she became pregnant like Immaculate Conception. Yeah, and no one believed her, even though, I mean, of all the places it's going to happen, you'd think it'd be there. Right. But she died trying to abort, so. I didn't get that part, especially with the way the story ends. Like, why was she trying to abort it? And then, like, she possesses this other girl to carry her baby to term. Yeah, it's where there's four teenagers and it possesses the spirit. Well, they, it locks them in somehow. So they're they're stuck. Yeah. They spend the entire night trying to get out of there. It's got a, it's got some pretty good atmosphere to it. I agree. Um had some creepiness to it. it there's only the three that went in so two males one girl and um the one male like you see his girlfriend earlier but she doesn't go into the basement with them oh no she went off to the Krampus story oh i see yeah. where i so that part they are kind of connected i'll give them that but um <laughs> so so they're doing this little youtube video or whatever and talking about all the weird stuff that happened in the basement and at one point, the girl, I guess, just gets possessed and tries to have sex with the two males. And the one guy refuses because he has a girlfriend, so she kills him. And then she successfully rapes the other guy because he's into her. <laughs> but then she accuses him of raping her the minute she comes to and is herself again. Then he ba she basically kills him and is like, I'm supposed to have this baby for that 15-year-old whatever girl and bring it to term. It didn't make any sense to me. I mean, like... It this, this one was long, like one of the longest stories, in my opinion. This one and the one with the changeling. And it had the most substance. Like, you really get to know the characters more. More so than the Krampus story, in my opinion. That one was pretty one-dimensional. Like, still very enjoyable. But, you know, the characters are just kind of... They're meant to be shitty. And you're supposed to see them that way. You know what I mean? So you don't really need to spend that much time with them. But... Uh, yeah, I still like it. Probably my least favorite. Yeah, but these are the ones you kind of like, you want to get the atmosphere and you want to get more of the story and what's going on. and So it's like one of the longer ones, but then I found it the most underwhelming in the end. Yeah, good atmosphere, a little bit of a lackluster ending. It's a little unclear, but I, I got just enough to be like, okay, spiritual shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Possession and we get like kind of the spirit of, you know, Jesus, which obviously is what Christmas is all about, his birthday and stuff, so very fitting for a Christmas horror anthology, but uh, I just, yeah, I kind of felt like an idea not fully realized in my opinion, maybe. I would, I would definitely agree with that. What would you, if you had to give a number rating out of five to the school segment, they don't have actual names. Mm, yeah. Um, out of five, eh? Maybe a 2.7. Fantastic. I'll give it, I'll give it a three. I love your point seven. <laughs> well, do it to percentages. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to be somewhat fair. Yeah, I'll fuck with a point five every now and then, but <laughs> you came in point six one seven. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, the the second segment we'll talk about. This is the order that they start, not the order that they finish. Yeah. This is the changeling segment. I think this one was my favorite. I could see that. This one is creepy. Mm -hmm. 
this couple's take are taking their young son. He's like six or seven. Out okay. to get a, a Christmas tree on Christmas Eve, which seems a little bit late. Mm-hmm. This is a tradition for some people, though, which I think is weird. Just because I love the ambience of having a Christmas tree in your living room when it's, you know, where I'm in, it's minus 40 and you're just going to be inside anyways and it gets dark at 4 p.m. I like the lights of the Christmas tree on for like at least a month. So where I'm from, everyone puts up their tree like December 1st, guaranteed. So I find it super weird when the odd person comes in and they're like, oh, December 24th, we go cut it down and decorate it. Why? (laughs) You get so little time. (laughs) It's so weird to me. It's so much effort for so little time. Exactly. Have it up for like a day or two. Yeah. Drop it on your your lawn like a mob hit. Yeah. We could do a whole thing about what, I mean, I've always kind of wanted to try at least getting one real tree one year. I'll do it. Overrated. But yeah, that's what I hear too. And I mean, obviously it's how long trees take to grow and then just cutting them down every year for just Christmas for a week is like, I don't know. It seems weird. I have like a wee bit of a Christmas story story. This kind of reminds me of something from that. Anyway, one day, my stepfather, when we were growing up, for some reason, brought home the weirdest looking Christmas tree. It was more like a bush. So we called it our Christmas bush. Oh, my God. And yeah, it is a pain in the ass. You got to fill the water. The dog drinks up the water. You get sap, needles. It's a pain in the dick. And I hear so many people electrocute themselves every year for watering it when the tree's plugged in still. I wonder if there's enough uh, juice to kill you with that. I mean, maybe if you have a heart defect or a pacemaker or something like that, pacemaker. But people do die. It is a statistic. You can Google it. You can Google it. (laughs) I feel sorry for those people who die in those insanely weird ways. Yeah. I mean, it almost becomes like, I mean, we're, we're totally veering off again, but you don't want to remember people by the way that they die but people who don't know them especially something super weird like that's what sticks with them right that guy that got run over by that steamroller or whatever like you're just you just remember that for the rest of your life <laughs> you're not gonna remember the guy's name yeah you have a new name and that is uh the dude who got ran over by the steamroller exactly or the dude who accidentally that one gal who fell into the vat of molten caramel mm. it's just like i you gotta be careful guy. <laughs> This is why we have work safety videos. Like that I know, that's why they're so traumatizing. Yes. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I work with electricity and one of my very first days as a, a new apprentice, um, we watched a, a video of people getting electrocuted and it was real, real footage of people dying and it fucked me up for life to this day. It's scarier than any horror movie I've ever seen. I love it. Now that, now that we're completely in tangent town, <laughs> yeah. we, we got to talk about PSAs because... I don't know how to feel about them. I get that they're like, they're a necessary evil, mm-hmm. but they're so manipulative and frightening that it's they're They help, but they also kind of hurt in a way because they're like scarring people for life. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of like the audience too. And I know it's an ongoing thing, especially for people who love scary movies want to get their kids into scary movies. Right. And it's like, at what age and what movie should you show them? Whatever else. And it really just comes down to personality. Like some, kids you know can handle it maybe sooner or even at all rather than other kids who are like I mean my niece I would never in a million years want to show her anything like that not even if she was 21 you know what I mean like I just think it would f her up for life so it's just like you got to know your audience you know what I mean like (laughs) they're already going to be scared away without seeing that in my opinion 
you just have to like kind of nudge them in the right direction of what's going to happen and they'll listen to you they don't need to see someone getting mutilated in some horrible way those some of those just stick with you after a while like the drunk driving ones and mm-hmm. okay tangent over the changeling oh yeah the young family <laughs> shop or they're going out in the middle of nowhere to get a christmas tree and I love the fact that he's a cop and his wife points it out and he's like, oh yeah, real good behavior going on this like fenced off closed land and teaching your son to chop down someone else's property. And he's like, oh, they have a lot of trees. They won't miss this one. It's no big deal. I see. Yeah, I definitely, that's kind of funny. He's definitely trespassing. Mm-hmm. To me, it's and just like shadowing to what's going to happen to them later. You know what I mean? Like I find, especially in movies like this, they really have to like set up the people's wrongdoings in order to like justify killing them off. I didn't put that together. I kind of just thought, you know, terrible shit sometimes just happens just because you're there. I agree, but I just feel like they try to make it more palatable for people. And uh, I feel like they did that a lot in this movie. Anyone who, like, really had it come into them, um, they kind of, like, maybe showed a little bit of a darker side to them. Oh, totally. Especially with the overall theme being Krampus, I think. You know what I mean? Because he comes out at the end and, you know, he, he hunts down all the bad kids. So it's like all the people who are bad kind of get it in this movie yeah it's this did you recognize the cop from the short video that they watched in the school episode oh he's the same guy yep i didn't notice that i almost thought it would have been racist for me to say so because you know black guy looks the same as any other black guy i think yeah i it's him that'd be funny (laughs) if i was somehow being the one who was racist (laughs) that's what i was trying to point out but i trust you to have looked it up (laughs) and not just said that but fair enough. I think that goes to show their budget, right? They were reusing things and actors and segments. I like it. It's just they kind of weave in and out of their separate. It kind of makes it feel more contained. It's just this one town called Bailey Downs. And this is the same town from uh, Ginger Snaps. Oh, okay. Yes, I did not know that. Um, but yes, you're totally right. That does make it seem more connected, especially with, you know, the girlfriend from the first segment getting into the car for the Krampus segment. Yeah, that's about the only way they really connect oh yeah this the, this director actually well it's different directors for different segments but a couple of them had a lot to do with the ginger snaps movies so oh did not know that i love that movie another canadian production canadian royalty mm-hmm. so finally they get to their tree and chop it down but they or they lost their son he he, he went missing yeah he wanders off as kids usually do little punk so they're, they're running around they're, they're looking for him calling for him and then Finally, they find him. He's in inside this tree, and they're just like, oh, thank God we found you. Mm-hmm. Let's go home and bake cookies and decorate the tree. But yeah, yeah, the young son, he's, he's, distu- he's, he's got a lot of disturbing behavior going on. Yeah, so he comes home, and he is, like, very forlorn, and almost just seems, like, you can just tell something might have happened to him in that tree, right? Like, he just doesn't feel good about life he's not excited about santa doesn't want to help decorate the trees barely talking yeah and then um when it comes to dinner time he's slurping down that spaghetti which looks just like ketchup and spaghetti and spaghetti noodles to me oh that's so probably what it was (laughs) he loved it though and his dad's like hey tiger why don't you calm down yeah hey dad why don't you get a a fork in your hand yeah pretty much (laughs) i'll tell you when i'm done that looks painful. It did, yeah. And the mother reacts very underwhelmingly, in my opinion, for a son who just like 
like out of nowhere just expressed this like over the top violent behavior to his father and she's like why would you do that and then runs to protect the son like i always just laugh at this stuff in movies i'm like yeah your son's gonna grow up to be a serial killer that's yeah that is insane i like that it's, she kind of acted like he just like let a little cuss word off in the car i know right like oh no he said his first f-bomb like you shouldn't do that sweetie that's not proper behavior especially for public yeah don't stab your dad at dinner <laughs> Exactly. That's not really, you know, uh, gentleman-like. At some point, this little creature crawls into his mom's bed. This was the most disturbing scene by far for me. Because, like, she... At first, she's kind of letting out these, like, little noises like she's sleeping. But you can see that the kid's going under and the, like, coming... I don't know. It was very sexual. And at one point, you see her hand, his hand coming up around her breast. And she's, like, moaning. And this child actor is, like, you know, he's, like, five or six or seven tops. And it always just blows my mind when they have kids in movies like this. And, you know what I mean? It just reminds me of The Exorcist and stuff. I'm like, do they know what they're filming? Do they do they get to watch this after it's done? Like, do they know the implications of this scene? Because this is really messed up. I hope not. I hope not, too. He's probably good now, but... <laughs> One would hope. Yeah. But anyways, she wakes up because she's like, what the F? And he's gone. He's sleeping in his room. Yeah. Yeah, she goes to check on him and everything's hunky-dory. And the dad got turned down for sex earlier, so he's drinking by himself in the living room all pissed off. Oh, yeah, that's how you know they're married. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's what I have to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> yes, it is. But clearly there's something wrong with Esther, right? Not Esther, sorry. Uh, the the young young boy. Will. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. His name is Will. Yeah. So she starts to realize that maybe something's kind of up. And I think this is the point when she gets the phone call from the guy who owns the land. Yeah. You got their license plate on the way out. On the way out. Yes. Very good. Canadian. I'm sorry. <laughs> I swear I don't do that disparagingly. I will randomly throw out in a boot and it's, I don't mean it derogatorily. I just, I just, I think it's cute. Okay, sure. I mean, I love South Park too. It, it, it's just, yeah, it's just funny to me because I think <laughs> do it more than Canadians would ever actually do it. No, totally, it. totally. But it is, it's funny. You can guys can kind of restrain yourself, but every now and then, you accidentally let out a full "get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's something that I don't notice because it's the same thing when I say "a." Like, I'll be visiting America wherever I go. And I'll talk to someone within like the first two sentences. They'll be like, what part of Canada are you from? And I'm like, what? <laughs> How did you know? Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really talking like that, am I? Oh my goodness. But whatever. Go Canada. I love Canada. No, I love it too. We all, most of us do as well. Very good. Um, all right. Back we're... to the foreboding phone call. Oh yeah. He's like, anyway, that's not your son. Yes. And she... You can see that she kind of wants to believe him because she's noticing his weird behavior. But at the same time, she's like, fuck you, man. Don't talk to my kid that way and hangs up. What kind of a dummy, huh? I mean, it seems like a reasonable response for a mother who just hugged her son after she stabbed her husband. Fair. <laughs> you can, I don't think she's really the voice of reason at this point. It's just a lot of things that are adding up. And then that should have been the moment where she's like, gotcha. I know, but to me, it's also just reminiscent of any, you know, like the old band in Friday the 13th. Don't go there. Something bad's going to happen. 
Oh, yeah. The crazy Ralph called and he said. Exactly. She ignores him until he... Kills her husband. Yeah. And that's a good place to start taking things seriously is after the brutal murder. Mm-hmm. He's strangled, I think, with his own belt, which he threatened to beat the kid with earlier, and his hand is chopped off. <laughs> oh, man. That thing went to town. Yeah. This was a good scene, too, though, because she finds the dead body. And as she starts to get closer, the changeling is, like, behind the Christmas tree and roars at her. And I thought that roar was actually pretty good. It was a bit of a jump scare, in my opinion. There was, there was a couple pretty decent jump scares in this. I mean, that was the only time that got me. But I just, I like creatures, right? As So I just liked this segment a lot. And I liked the... You know, just the Christmas Eve going wrong type thing for them and the horror being in your own home. If that makes sense. I don't know. I just like this segment a lot for a lot of other reasons, too. Well, yeah, it's it's very tense and extremely upsetting in a couple in a few ways. It's it's very effective. Yeah. And the fact that Christmas is, all, you know, all about like kids getting presents and stuff. And now it's this evil demon presence or whatever changeling in your own home. And like, you know what I mean? It's like the kid turning on you. I like that. So, uh, yeah, he calls her. Does she call him back or did he call her again? She calls him and is ready to ready to listen now. Yeah, that's what he says. Like, are we ready to listen now? Exactly. <laughs> did he kill somebody? He has the taste of human. Um, how does he put it? It's not human flesh, which I thought he was going to say, but he basically likes all of what humans have to offer now. Oh yeah, he's he said he he seems like he's uh, enjoying being a human. You might want to bring him back and throw him back in the tree. Yeah, exactly. But he's not going to come willingly, is what he says. So you have to trick him. Oh yeah, he's going to sense you and your plans, which is freaking creepy. Mm-hmm. It's like a contained village of the damned for a second. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, she throws the motherfucker in a bag. <laughs> well, I mean. Uh, yeah, uh, that's probably the only way that that was ever going to go down. What is she going to say to him? I mean, I think the minute she suggests leaving the house, he's going to be like, obviously, this is what's going to happen. So you want to go get some ice cream? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On Christmas Eve, when everything's probably closed. Yeah, hey, you- this isn't Baskin Robbins. <laughs> so she takes him back to the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously starts pleading for her son back, because the guy kind of... Um, lets on that you know if you bring the changeling back then you can get your son back yeah but when he basically says at that point he doesn't know and it's kind of funny too because this did end differently than i kind of thought it would the woods start creeping up on them and she's terrified obviously but he's like don't worry you know they're afraid of me so as long as like everything you say normal and i'm around they won't attack you so just don't panic but she whips out a gun from her cop husband and is waving it around like an idiot there's really no other way to put it and accidentally shoots the guy so this (laughs) i kind of just figured this is how it would end and they would all just tear her to shreds but she actually they seem happy that they're freed now even though i don't did they ever even really imply that they would leave the woods if he wasn't there anyways i don't know but they give her her son back i mean it's a christmas miracle this is the only story that kind of has a happy ending in some way i guess oh yeah every other one ends really pretty dark yeah a changeling episode wraps up. What do you give it? This one I like the best. I'm probably going to give it an 8 or a 9. Fantastic. 8 or 9 out of 10? Yeah. We'll give it a... I'm going to go 8 out of 10. Very good. 8 out of 10, 4 out of 5. Excellent segment. Great tension. 
what did you give you, you got me to, oh yeah wait you did give it a three i was gonna say the uh the basement convent one but all right that's the lowest one i'm gonna give too okay so is this when we get into krampus i can't remember oh yeah this the next one is krampus attacks yes a bickering family is driving to their aunt's house their great aunt's house yes and apparently uh there's not an easy relationship between the father and his aunt and he's only going there probably to ask for money yes uh that's what it kind of comes down to and i mean the whole relationship between the family this is what i mean where they're very one-sided they're just set up right from the get-go that they're all really just kind of shitty human beings oh yeah they are um the daughter maybe less so but everybody kind of yeah yeah but it doesn't show that at the beginning because okay so they go into this house it's implied like you know the husband is saying oh we were invited for christmas and the very last minute when they get there she's like oh he's like oh it's a christmas surprise you know what i mean (laughs) yeah he's like i'm just gonna go in and give him the spiel and even the wife seems disgusted by this on christmas you're gonna go in and try and get her to give you money for this whatever business he has which it has this ridiculous name i can't remember what it is but it's it to me it just sounds like almost like an mlm scheme you know what i mean oh dude there's 100 percent a ponzi scheme yeah so his entire family even seems disgusted by his low whatever but this old woman is obviously rich they pull up this awesome great mansion in the middle of nowhere and i think to german accent oh yeah they're they're definitely german yeah so while the family goes in and he goes off to try and get money from his aunt in another room they're pilfering through her belongings and making themselves at home the daughter steals i think it's a lighter she sure does yeah for no apparent reason basically the caretaker comes in and calls out this family for their shit for basically you know going through this old woman's things kind of looking through her stuff being whatever and the minute they kind of get called out she pockets this lighter out of spite this a little fucked up yeah the son finds a krampus doll and when he's told to put it down because it's old and like kind of an heirloom, he basically purposely breaks it. Yeah, what a dick. He's like, oops. Yeah, like what a little shit is right. And at this point, the aunt and the father come back and are completely disgusted by the son's behavior and kick them out of the house. Did you, before I forget, did you recognize the caretaker? No. He's got cult pedigree. He played three finger in the original wrong turn. Oh, okay, well, his makeup would have been obviously a lot different for wrong turn. Yeah. yeah. But he was also <laughs> in uh he was the janitor in Urban Legends. He he plays oh, yeah. death on Supernatural. Well then there you go. I've I've seen all of those things but uh didn't put two and two together. He's just got a very unique look to him. Mhm. Makes but, some great acting in this kind of stuff, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. So the family's like driving away dejected. Yep. And uh the daughter kind of starts to come around now as like the only likable character. And says, or implies, that um, the aunt was scared after they broke the Krampus doll. She sure was. Mm-hmm. So why would she be terrified? It might be the thing that the entire family is about to run into in their car. Yes. So they go off the road after they almost hit something running across. Can I ask you, can I say something that's going to sound blasphemous since I've already done some blasphemy so far? Come on, it's Christmas. What's going to be blasphemous about this? Oh, well, it's just that so many people hold these films in such high regard. Um, The movie Krampus from Michael Dougherty Mm -hmm. is a better movie, hands down. But 
this Krampus looks freaking badass. This should have been closer to what the Krampus was in Krampus. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, I like both. I like, because obviously the Krampus and the other larger film is really big. Like, really big. Um, and you don't see him as much, I would say, as this one. So this one's kind of like more... I mean, he's scarier than the sense he's like can run after you and it seems more like he can tear you to shreds than the other one, whereas the other one kind of uses like his little creatures and the chains and stuff more to go after you. No, I get you, yeah. But I like both for I think they were both fitting for the films that they were in. Yeah, we spoilered it. The the creature that they almost ran into was Krampus. Yeah. So at this point they are stranded in the middle of nowhere, very cold, and try to walk back to town. But something is after them. Yeah. So the little boy has been kind of, you know, talking about Krampus the entire time, saying that they should get inside. It's like Krampus Eve and whatever else. So, of course, he's going to be the first to go with a large, huge train, kind of like Hellraiser, comes out of the woods, middle of nowhere, and drags him away. Krampus knocked. (laughs) I like that the chains are part of the mythology because that's how he's described. I've never actually read like about Krampus, so... I don't know, but it's pretty neat to me for sure. Oh yeah, I I think it's he's a cool antagonist. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny is that that one movie seemed to kick off an entire summer called Krampus exploitation. Yes, totally. So every other one there's a uh, Krampus the Christmas Devil one and two, Mother Krampus one and two, Krampus Unleashed, Krampus Origins. Ha. <sighs> I see them all advertised all the time on Tubi and whatever else, but I've never watched one of them yet. Out of all of them, which one would you recommend if I was going to watch one? None of them. None of them? Okay. No, I'll just the, stick with the big one, the main one. I still got to watch Mother Krampuses, but of the ones that I have seen, Krampus Unleashed was the least terrible. Fair enough. Honestly, I'm surprised I didn't make a Krampus movie sooner. I mean, this just seems like horror movie Christmas gold. Oh, Totally. Totally. That's why I was just a tiny bit let down by Krampus when it first came out. I felt like he was almost more in the background. But every year I rewatch it, I love it more and more. Yeah, I mean, I like, it obviously has a lot of great actors and stuff in it. It has a really great atmosphere, but I also kind of like, I think the only thing I was disappointed for at the beginning was how, or the, when I, the very first time I watched it was how tame it was. But then at the same time, I kind of like how it has the Christmas message at the end. So it's a scary movie, but it's still a Christmas movie in heart. You know what I mean? Uh, people interpret the ending a lot of different ways. Do you think it's a happy ending? Kind of. I mean, it's been a bit since I've watched it. But yeah, I mean, he kind of learns to appreciate his family more. Well, there's that weird where the weird thing where they pull out Christmas morning and they're inside of an ornament. Or, or is yeah. it a globe that the Krampus is watching? True. So is I don't does that indicate that? Because I think that even the director said like you could take it either way you want, but that he has like claimed their souls or something, and that they're just on his shelf, or that he's just always watching them. Because I like both versions, but but either way, he gets kind of I don't know. Like they they seem to enjoy their each other's company more. Yeah, true. Day thing of Christmas. Who knows? But I mean, yeah, like you said, it could be either one. But you kind of get the sense that when they wake up and they're around Christmas, they're not like at each other's throats like usual. 
Yeah, but but towards the end, there's like right right before it cuts to the fact that they're in a snow globe, they kind of all have like the same grim look on their face, and that could either be interpreted as they know that they're trapped in the Krampus layer, or that could be that they are recovering the memories of the fuckery that happened the night before. Yeah, interesting. I'm gonna have to watch it again and notice that because I feel like I didn't pick up on it the first couple times I saw it. Absolutely, come to the Christmas Horror Story podcast so you can hear about Krampus. Anyway. Dad gets wounded. They drag him into a church. Yes. And this is where they they attempt to absolve themselves of their sins so that they can stop being hunted by the Krampus. Once again, led by the daughter. Who's oh, yeah. Starting to try and redeem herself as a character from this entirely one-dimensional shitty family. But, um, yeah, the mother's really apprehensive, thinks this is a bunch of BS. You can see that dad's, like, just, he thinks he's going to die anyway. So he's like, what's the point? Might as well just go along with it not fight it and basically a giant chain comes in through the window and drags him away yeah he absolved himself because he's like uh there is no business we're broke (laughs) yes yes that's right yeah it's all been a sham and i'm gonna get arrested anyways and yeah i'm sorry and just a super weird turn of events in my opinion but all right okay dad gets arrested by the krampus with a chain and then the mother and daughter kind of have a big, kind of like a sweetheart to heart. I guess kind of. They're hiding in a closet and the mother decides to, you know, show a little bit of decency for the very first time in this entire story and sacrifice herself for her daughter. She makes it to her grandmother's house and Krampus catches up with her. And she finds, I can't remember even what it is, but um, she manages to basically stake the Krampus the minute before he gets to her. And then as he's dying and transforming, it turns out to be the caretaker. Yes, that's right. The, the, the caretaker is the Krampus. Yeah. So then she goes back inside and she's having tea and warming up with her aunt and their her great aunt. And they're discussing everything. And that kind of goes on about like how Krampus is a spirit and can possess anybody who lets the negativity in their heart and hates Christmas and whatever else. And that's why the caretaker changed. And at that point, the daughter kind of puts it in her mind that she's like, Oh, so you locked him out of the house to protect yourself, hung up a cross, and then basically let us be bait. Yep. Shady aunt. Mm-hmm. So she's obviously trying to deject this and talk out of it. And at this point we can see, um, the daughter's letting the hate get into her heart and turns into Krampus. And that's the end of this segment. I can see my way to a four out of five. I really like this one. Okay, we're switching back between out of five and out of ten, but all right. No, no, you're good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll probably give this one a 3.5 or a four. Just because like, the story itself is good, but it is kind of like a lesser version than the main Krampus movie, like the big Krampus movie that everyone knows with Adam Scott and Tony Collette and everything. And I just find the family very, like I said, one dimensional. So it's just kind of like, not that it's not fun. It's just like kind of lacking. And this is one of the stories as they're weaving in and out, they show the least because there's like not much to really go on in my opinion. Like there's not much to really build up. So this is one of the ones that cut back to the least and it ends the soonest. I can definitely see that. The one thing you might want to make yourself comfortable with in anthologies is that they don't have a whole lot of time for character growth. Oh, 100%. But I'm just saying, I've seen, I mean, I've watched lots of anthology films and I, there's just, this one just kind of still felt shallow to me, even comparison. They are, they definitely are shallow people. I'll give you that. They got what they deserved. 
Yeah. I mean, in the true spirit of Krampus, they deserve to be Krampused. Krampus knocked. Yes, exactly. We're coming to the last segment, which is Santa versus zombie elves, but it could be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, they're kind of like, yeah, I mean, zombie, they're like undead, but they kind of paint them as, I mean, obviously elves are supposed to be happy-go-lucky and like Santa's little sidekicks and helping him build toys and Christmas cheer. And they kind of just start turning into hateful little beings. Yeah, it's funny. Basically, yeah, it's Christmas Eve. Everything's really busy at the workshop. But they take a break for cookies, and one of the elves doesn't look to be having a very good time. Mrs. Claus, like, why don't you, why don't you want cookies? You love cookies, and then he snaps on her. And I wrote down what he said because I, it needs to be said out loud. Go on. He said, and I quote, "I, I said I don't want any fucking cookies. You reindeer fucking snow whore." Wow. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty out of left field for sure. I love it. It was fantastic. But the other thing about this is who stabs him in the hand? I feel like he stabbed himself in the hand and then he died from a hand wound. That part was weird. Yeah, they don't they don't make it ultimately very clear how this whole thing started. Yeah. Luckily, I don't care. So I just like you're going to give me zombie elves. I'm not even going to question it, but you're right. They really should have illuminated that a little bit clearer. I mean, this is the one where we find out that Storm and Norman is thinking he's Santa Claus because he's dressed up as Santa Claus at the mall for the food drive and is obviously having some psychotic break and killing people. So who knows who this first person is that he kills um, at the mall. But yeah, I just this is also, like I said, the cheesiest one kind of to me, the segment. It has the greatest payoff in the end. But just kind of the cutscenes and... I don't know, just the way that the elves, like that one, like that, basically the first scene when nothing's really explained and he gets stabbed in the hand, but we don't know who, and then dies. And then they're like, but elves can't die, right, Santa? And then it just does a zoom in on his face and it cuts away. I was just like, oh my goodness. Kind of gives you the whole feel about what's about to happen with this story. No, they cannot. So the entire, the rest of the narrative plays out almost like Santa Claus is John McClane. Yes. Yeah. Killing off all of these elves. And the, the disturbing thing is that once you find out that in real life this is Storm and Norman having a mental breakdown, you realize that the elves that he killed might have been children. Yeah, they do a couple cutscenes where, you know, he slaughters everyone in the elevator and he gets this one elf that jumped out at him and it looks to be like this young girl who's just working this cart at the mall and tried to stab him and get away. And this part was by far, I think, in my opinion, the most unsettling and kind of disturbing out of all of the segments. It, most horrific for sure they went from super cheesy to just super dark so quickly oh yeah it's a great twist yeah it's so santa claus has his showdown with krampus mm-hmm. who he play, who he he assumed that the krampus is the one who started the entire zombie insurrection that's correct yes turns his little elves against him which is only happening inside a chubby weatherman's deluded mind as he is massacring people at the mall and you cut back to dangerous dan he keeps talking about there's some big hubbub going on at the mall we hope everything's all right we hope storm and norman is is okay covering everything and yes but even though they did that kind of foreshadowing i still didn't catch on to the twist happening for some reason i didn't either isn't that fucking great (laughs) yeah it still really really shocked me he he snaps out of it instead of 
fighting Krampus, he was just, like you said, attacking some gal. Well, this one was oh, a guy. Some this random. one was a guy. Yeah, you're right. It was a slubby looking guy. He's like, Norman, Norman, don't. Yeah, and then he kind of realizes it and has these flashbacks of when he's actually slaughtered and like, oh, shit. But what also blows my mind about this is like, this guy fucking hates Christmas so much. Why is he volunteering to dress up as Santa if he's driving them all? I think it was just his, how I interpret it is, is just because it's his job. Yeah, it's just his, you know, his job. He's got to do it, but it's the thing that broke him, probably. Yeah. He's like, oh, I get to have to do this again. Fucking hate Christmas. And yeah, sad. Sad for sure. Maybe his backstory is Billy from Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, never know. I mean, I think that guy probably went away forever, but <laughs> maybe his backstory is Billy from Black Christmas. Yeah, 2006. <laughs> yeah, who knows? That's great. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I loved it. It's Obviously, this one's a five out of five. This is one of the best modern twists I've seen. I will agree with you. It really, um, yeah, just ends the note, the whole movie on a completely different note than the rest of the film. And yeah, it, it, begs for a rewatch at that point yeah super fun i i honestly without the storm and norman twist i probably would have seen my way to being like a a high seven or high six low seven that's what my original rating was as well and i think i'd probably give it like a 7.5 or closer to an eight now with the twist but at the same time i don't know like i still like it i can see myself rewatching this movie every year every other year i just some of the story weaving i don't know maybe I'll, I'll care less now that i know that it's like that i think it was just my initial letdown when i first watched the film for the first time yeah it's the story weaving that's the biggest culprit here mm-hmm. and then they weren't blessed with a huge budget that's why i kind of admire it more is because i know like warner's put out trick-or-treat and krampus and michael darity wasn't blessed with like a fortune but he still had a lot of money to move around this was just a plucky production guys in canada <laughs> yeah we're used to uh, getting the lower end of the the short stick, should I say. Every production, uh, Supernatural, where everything is just, they'll say like, this is in Kansas. I'm like, no, it's in Vancouver. <laughs> you can tell. Yeah. And they're like, yep, this is Can- the Kansas, because the sheriff just said he dropped a hard boot accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't catch it in post, so. I'm sorry, that was a weird tangent. Um... Yeah, I absolutely adore this movie. I recommend it to everybody if you haven't seen it, especially for the holiday season. Yeah, even though we were ruined the spoiler, but uh, the big twist. It's a oh, great Christmas yeah. anthology for sure. I think there's only there's only a few. I, the one you sent me the other day called Death December. Yes, that's brand new, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely. I, I've heard it coming down the the chimney, so to speak, but... Yeah, if I can get a hold of that, I'll get. I'll give it a shot. There was another one I feel like I just saw. I don't know if it was a Christmas one. You, Fever Dreams. Have you heard of that movie? Uh-uh. What's that? It's a. I was trying to look it up again, but uh, I just saw it on Tubi last night for the first time, and uh, it's an anthology. And I feel like it might be a Christmas anthology, but I'm not 100. percent I added it to my list. I was just gonna quickly look at it, but uh, apparently it'll just make me leave the recording, so I don't want to do it again. I got you. Did it, did it feel like it was newer, like 2022? Nope. Because um, I remember Googling it last night, too, and it came up with another one called Fever Dream, which is not the movie. So I feel like it's slightly older, maybe like 2017. Like, it's not super old, but like, I think, I, think, or I guess it was a Fever Dream movie that came out like just this year or last year, and it is not that. Cool, cool, cool. No, I'm going to keep my eye out for that. Mm-hmm. 
before I forget, I'm so sorry, but just before I forget, um, it's called Holiday Hell. Yes, I've I've seen that one. That one's not bad at all. I might have to do that one on here. It had Jeffrey Combs in it. Yeah, yeah, that one was pretty good. I watched that one just last year, and all the creatures were stirring. It's not bad as well. Uh, it's funny until you did this podcast, I kind of didn't even realize how many horror anthologies there are. It's really kind of a lesser sung horror subgenre. I know that's why that's why I wanted to, that's the entire impetus of the of the the theme here. And the funny thing is though that although I love anthologies, it's my favorite subgenre. Now it's just like I want to watch a different kind of movie. <laughs> I know, right? That's the problem when you. Not that you can't, you just won't talk about them on this show. <laughs> yeah, my buddy I, who I roped into recording a recording or two ago, he's like, so you only do anthologies? Mm-hmm. Or no, they, I think he mixed up the word anthology with franchise. So he's like, oh, fuck yeah, let's do Hellraiser 3. And I'm like, I don't think you're getting it, bro. It's I do anthologies. Yeah. <laughs> but I get it, you know. Um but I just want thank you so much for for hanging out for an hour and a half and talking about a Christmas horror story with me. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, and it was a great excuse to finally watch this film. So, win win. Oh yeah, if nothing else, we got your eyes on this one. This one's super good on Shutter. Mm-hmm. In Canada and the states, apparently. So. Oh, both. Oh yeah, I always forget that. I hate that they have different content for different places. I, I get it. It's all that legal mumbo jumbo, but it. Just doesn't feel fair. No, but I think, yeah, I mean, whether or not you agree with the bill or not, and I have mixed feelings, Canada's trying to push that, you know, because we want to catch up to the states and their film industry and whatnot, that our streaming services have to have so much percentage of Canadian content. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's a, a federal law that we have. Bureaucracy. Yeah, that's what I knew. It's a bunch of dickheads in suits. Oh, Nancy. But yeah, I, I do hope, wish you guys would get the same amount of content or at the very least, the majority of it. Do you guys, did you have Hellraiser yet? No, no. I can't believe they didn't do that one because honestly, we got Prey and, and Fresh, which were both Hulu movies, and I loved them both. But for whatever reason, they drew the line at Hellraiser. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, still it's, not, yeah, it's not shatteringly good, but it is good. I liked it. Oh, did you did you go? How did you see it? The open seas. Arg me, matey. <laughs> yeah. We both know what we're talking about, but we won't say it out loud. Exactly. Hey, man, I'm more than happy. I'm paying for the streaming services. I purchase movies. No judgment. No judgment. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, if if something isn't made available to you, then it's a uh... open seas. Yeah, I agree. You can't judge me for doing it. You're basically just like with withholding someone from it, right? And it's bullshit. Read. Well, thank you very much. I, I wish you the happiest of happy holidays. Yes, and until uh, next time when they can check us out on Creature Encounters of the Podcast Kind. You got the name. Congratulations. Woo! I'm practicing it. We- <laughs> <laughs> Creature, but and then Candyman comes up. No, that'd be funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, last year or not last year? Sorry, last last time we covered Creature from 1985, was it or yeah. four? I think so. 1985. Yeah, that was a fun talk. It was. Um, but like as you said, you want to bring it down to earth. So next episode, we'll be talking Grizzly. 
Yeah, because and I I don't mean to keep stressing this, but he takes out the bear with a RPG. So I just Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He punches off a horse's head is this is what always gets to me. Yes. <laughs> it's a movie for a lot of reasons for sure. Absolutely. So until over on that feed. Mm-hmm. Same bat time, same bat channel. Same bat channel. Uh you take care of yourself, okay? You too. Stay scared. Always.